All right. Let's get cracking. Davchaf, page 20. We're up to the Mishnah, about seven, eight lines from the top of Davchaf, Amad Aleph, whereas until now we were discussing the seven days of preparation. Now we're going to get into the Avaida of Yom Kippur itself and how the Kain Gadol got things started. Zok the Mishnah. Okay? And I'm not going to give an overview until, uh, um, until we go through this Mishnah. As we go through the Mishnah, there's two particular points on this Mishnah that the Daph is going to be focused on, and we'll mention them as we read this. Here we go. Bechol Yom. Every usual day, Tarmin They there was an avoda called the Truma Sadeshen. The Truma Sadeshen is the first part of the Avaida that was done where they would take the ashes, very important, okay, listen, I'm going to mention something here that's very imp- crucial to understand today's daf. They would take the ashes, there was a minimum amount, it wasn't a lot, they would take it off the top of the Mizbeach, bring it to the bottom of the Mizbeach. They wouldn't completely clean off the ashes. That's not what we're talking about right now. Okay? We're not talking about Haitzah Sadashen, which is what my parents, Zechariah Lebracha, would tell us when it was time to take out the garbage that we're, we're, we're being like the Kayin Gadol, you know, cleaning out the Mizbeach. We're talking about the Truma Sadashen, just a little bit. That, this should have been my response. I'll do the Truma Sadashen. <laughs> that should have been my response. Pick up three fingers full, Sholem Al Yisrael. I did enough, you know? Um, but I wasn't smart enough back then. <laughs> so, or even now. So, um, so, but every day they would do Truma Sadashen. It was, it, was, it was very important. It was a crucial part of the Avayi that needed to start. Now, here's the, here's the Zach. The reason for the Truma Sadashen was to show Kavod. Was to show Kavod. How does the Truma Sadashen show Kavod? So I'll give you a marshal. I'll give you a marshal. Maizu Shehoya Kachaya. I have a close friend, a very still a close chaver, who used to, his joke in yeshiva was, he would beg the rest of us to use his gemara. Why? Because he wouldn't use it. And he'd say, he'd say when, I, you know, when I start dating, at least some of the pages should look brown at the edges. Yeah? <laughs> at least if I walk around with a gemara, I could pretend like this thing looks used. Somebody else should use it, schwitz it, touch the edge of the page, right? When something looks used... It shows covet. It shows that I care about it. The, the Trumas Hadeshen, this minimum amount that was taken down to the bottom, was to show covet for the Mizbeach. That the Mizbeach was constantly in use, and therefore there's ashes from the burnt Karbanos. Okay? Now we'll see why this Svara, you'll see as we go through the top, why this Svara uh, is, uh, is important to keep in mind. Okay. Now, so every day, we would start out with the Trumas Hadeshen. The Trumas Hadeshen would be done by the calling out of the Gever, okay? Or around that time. Now, majority of Amud Beis is going to focus on, we learned this in Shkalim, by the way, but we're going to quote some of our Mishnayis in Shkalim, and what is the Kriyas HaGever? If you recall from Shkolem, there's a Machlaikas, whether it's a rooster or whether there was an official announcer in the Beis HaMikdash, right? Yeah, the, the, what's it called? The, the, 
when you go to a stadium, there's an the uh, the the public uh, the public announcer. Yeah, what's he called? Public service announcer. Public address. Yeah. Public address announcer. Public address, PA. Yeah, public address announcer. Okay. Yeah, so there's a, we're going to discuss what the gever is. That's going to be majority of Amr Beis. Fein lefana bein laachrav. Either was done before or after the Chumas Adashin. Okay. So every day, this was, on a regular day, it was done when, when would they do the Chumas Adashin? Around when the gever would call out. On Yom Kippur, you know when the Chumas Hadeshan was taken off the Mizbayach and brought down to the bottom? By Chatzois, midnight of Yom Kippur. Okay? Now, the reason why, and this is going to be Amr Aleph is going to focus on this. The reason why Yom Kippur had to start earlier is because we wanted to give the Kayin Gadol more things to do during the night to keep him awake, right? And to keep him on his toes, okay? So we made this Avaidah earlier. Usually it would be like a little bit before dawn on a regular day. Yom Kippur was done at midnight. And by Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, we know from Mesachas Brachas, the night was split up into three parts. There's three watches. Machlekas three or four. We passed and it was three. Three watches. So on a Yom Tif, the Truma session was done at the end of the first third of the night. Why? So our Gemara will get into why. Keep in mind that what's unique about the Ragolim, okay, and I'm just mentioning, I'm giving you a little teaser, what the Gemara is going to touch on. What's unique about the Ragolim is that everybody was Eila Regal. There were a lot of ashes a lot of carbonus that were being brought, and therefore it was very time-consuming. Okay. On a Yom Tif, you should know that even before the Gever called out, the, or, or even came, the, the Azara, the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, was filled with Klal Yisrael. Okay. Let's get into a little bit first the second part of the Mishnah, okay, which is going to be Ahmed Aleph to the top of Ahmed Bez, and that is the times of Yom Kippur, the Regalim, and uh, a regular day. Tanah we went to the Mishnah elsewhere. Evarim Shepakam Yagam Mizbeach, when you have limbs that were burning on top of the Mizbeach. Now we know after a carbon is shachted, the limbs are burnt. They're allowed to be burnt throughout the night. At what point is a limb burnt? At what point is it considered burnt? Does it need to be completely charcoal? Not necessarily, but we would burn it until it was completely charcoal. So what would happen if they would put the limbs on the Mizbeach, and due to the extent of the heat, uh, a leg would pop off the Mizbeach? We had this, we discussed this in Zvachim and Menachas. What would they do with a leg that popped off of the Mizbeach? So Kaidem Chatzais, if it was before Chatzais Yaxir, you had to put it on. And there would be me'ila if you use it for personal use. Now, now here's the svar. Let's speak this outside. This halacha that you put it back on and there's me'ila is only when it's not completely burnt. It's when there's still, it's still like burnt meat. But sometimes when you burn things for so long, a mamish becomes cold, right? If something becomes cold, everybody's in agreement. There's no me'ila. It's not called meat anymore, Okay. So we're dealing with where it's completely burnt, but it's, it's still called a leg. Okay? It's still called a, an aver, a limb. So you'd have to put it back on the Zbeach. Why? 
because, as we're going to see soon, it says in the Pesach that it had to burn the entire night. And until Chatzais, it's like I didn't do my mitzvah yet. Okay? But let's say the leg popped off of the Mizbeach after Chatzais. You don't need to put back in the Mizbeach. And there's also no Me'ila once you hit past midnight. Why is this the Halacha Amarav? Rav explains, because one Pesach says that the entire night it burns. Because of Echad Aymer Kola Laila Veheirim. All the night, he, um, he separates the ashes, meaning it has to be so burnt that it has to be burning long enough that any limb on the Mizbeach is considered ashes. Haketzat. So, what's the halacha? Do you need to leave it there till it's completely burnt for the entire night, or do you just need to leave it there till it's ashes? Is it time? Do you look at the time frame? Or do you look at what actually happened? So what do you do? So here's how it works. Half the night is for burning, and half the night is for separating the ashes. What does that mean? What it means is as follows. Until midnight, anything that's on the Mizbeach is considered, uh, it's considered part of the avoda of the Hector Chalam Mevar, the burning of the fats and limbs. And therefore, if a limb pops off, you've got to put it right back on because the mitzvah was not yet completed. But once you get past midnight... Once you went after Chatzais, it's as if it, would, it burned on the Mizbeach, and now it's called ashes. Now that it's called ashes, if it pops off the Mizbeach, there's no need for me to put it back on. Okay. Most of Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana asks a challenging question. What do we learn in the Mishnah? This is our Mishnah. What do we learn in our Mishnah? Every day they did the Juma Sadash from Mizbeach, the Kriyas HaGever, around the Kriyas HaGever, which... Again, Amr Vez, we're going to get into what Kriyas HaGever is. Either before or after. On Yom Kippur, they did the Jumas Dajan as early as Chatzais. And on Yom Tif, from the end of the first watch. Top of Amr Vez. That was a quote from our Mishnah. Okay? They would do Jumas Dajan after the first third of the night. Now, let's get into this. Asks the Gemara. If you're going to tell me that once you hit Chatzois, the there's a mitzvah de Eraisa to start the Truma Sadeshan. How in the world, here's the Kasha, why on a standard day are we going to wait till daybreak to do the Truma Sadeshan? Again, how do we explain Yom Kippur? How do we explain Yom Kippur? Why by Chatzois? Oh, because I'm told Chatzois is considered meat. After Chatzais, now it's considered ashes. One second. So, isn't there a rule, reason Makdim and the mitzvahs? You do a mitzvah as soon as possible? Why on a regular day are you going to wait till the morning? And we'll ask even further. The Gemara itself is not explaining this, but we've got to speak this out. What about on a Yom Tif? What about on a Rego when we said it starts after the first third of the night? I thought biblically it's considered a limb until midnight. So how can you already start taking it down off the Mizbeach after a third? A good takasha. It's a good challenge. Okay? So we're challenging both other halachas. Asra of Kahana, I'm challenging, if you're going to tell me, Daraisa, it's midnight, why in a standard day do we wait till the morning? And why on Yom Tif are we allowing it to be earlier? And because of this question, the Gemara is going to back off. We're backing off. And says the Gemara, Ella Omar Abiyechanan, rather Abiyechanan says, I'll give you a different Source, okay? Another source. That if 
the Avarim pop off of the Mizbeach due to the heat before Chatzais, you put it back on, and after Chatzais, you don't. What's the source? Since it says, again, going back to the Pasuk we quoted earlier, that the limbs remained kol halayla, al ha-mizbeach kol halayla, ad ha-baiker. On the mizbeach the entire night, ad ha-baiker until the morning. There's the words, okay? Ein yadeh ha-shuad baiker. What do you mean the entire night until the morning? If you tell me the entire night, I know what it means, till the morning. Morning always comes after night. Why do you got to say ad ha-baiker? baiker So why do we put in these words? Tain baiker the bakre shalayla, to let us know that there's two mornings. There's two mornings. Usually morning means sunrise. But morning, there's an additional morning. What does that mean? When the night starts to become morning. When does night start to become morning? A minute after midnight. Okay? A minute after midnight, now is when it starts to become morning. Therefore, here, says Rabbi Yechelen like this. Now this makes sense to, be, uh, uh, to explain what we do on a regular day, on Yom Kippur, and on Yom Tif. Why? Bechol yoyim on a regular day, tarmin asamizbeach bekriyas agaver. I saw mochloi beimavon abeilach rov sagya to do the jumas adeshen standard normally around the calling of the gaver. It's okay. That's going to be enough. Why? Because there's two mornings. So we're going to use the second morning. We're not going against the pasuk. We're not going against them. There's two mornings. There's two different times. You can do it after midnight. You can do it in the morning. All right. There's no rush on a regular. Rashi explains. On a regular day, they're standard carbonists. They already have the process down pat. You don't need to get the, the ashes getting uh, to move off the Mizbeach any earlier. There's not much to, to deal with. Where the Kain Gadol um, is going to get weak. There's a lot of Avaida to do. So we don't want to put all the Avaida on him within a crammed amount of time. And therefore, Avdin on Mechatzais. We, may, we already tell him, you can start the Shuma Sadashan, you're up anyway, we're keeping you up the whole night. Start at Chatzais, already taking the Dashan, right after Chatzais, we'll take it off of the Mizbeach. Okay. Uber a Golem, and on a Yomtiv, the Nefisha Yisrael, the Nefisha Karbonais, where there's a lot of Karbonais, there's a lot of Yidin showing up to Yoyle Regal, Abdinon Me'ashmeres Harishayna. You could even start after the first third. Why? Kedektani Taima. As we gave the reason, because there were so many karbanas brought, and there were mounds and piles on the on the mizbeach, which we we by the way we did this on purpose. Okay, they purposely to show kvayd shemayim. They purposely left the ashes on the mizbeach. Okay, they, to to show how many yidden were actually bringing the karbanas. And um, and therefore we did the Chuma Sadashan because the Chuma Sadashan um, was a little bit that was taken down and once that was separated it's really showing everything else that was remaining. Uh, picture this in our day and age to be uh, credit card processing fees. All right, what's a credit card processing fees? So somebody makes a donation, yeah, you have a you have a cause match campaign. People are making donations. Oh, it looks great. It looks great. It looks great. And then all of a sudden you tally up your total. It still looks great, but you have to know. Yeah, you, you took off the, the 4% that went through all the credit card fees for all the things that went online, right? So you don't really know your final, the, the final covet of what's coming into the organization until all the fees that are going out are taken off. 
when they would separate the Trumas Hadeshen from the Mizbeach, that little bit would be taken off, then everybody else would go, oh, that's already taken off. Look at all these ashes that are left on the Mizbeach. Look at that huge pile that's sitting on top of the Mizbeach. Psh, kvayt shemayim. All these Yidin are showing up to be oil rega. Wow, myridik. And therefore, we purposely wanted to start it earlier so people could already start looking at the remaining ashes. Period. End of that discussion of that part of the mission. Now we're going to move on to the what we explained as we read through, which was the Kriyas HaGevra. On a regular day, so they did the Truma Sadeshan around the calling of the Gever, either before or after. Ask the Gemara, my Kriyas HaGever, what is Kriyas HaGever? Rav Amarav says, Kro Gavra. Okay, now, it's a person. It was a person who was a Kri, he was... He was the one who called out, a crier. Okay? A crier. He would call out. Now, the Gemara soon is going to quote our Mishnah in Shkolem. Right? Remember, we had a, uh, we were introduced to a special Yid by the name of Gvini. Okay? We're going to learn about him soon. Remember, Gvini, his voice could be heard for up to 10 miles. Yeah? Up to Yericho, Mamashavet. But there were criers. There were people that would that would be able to call out. So Rob says it was a human being who would, who would call out, and whatever that point in time was, around then, that was the Chuma Sadashan was done. Rav Shila Amar, now remember these words. Rav, remember the names. Make sure to remember the names. Rav said what? It's a human being calling out. Rav Shila says, Kra Tarnegayla. It's the morning... When roosters and chickens. Okay, again, Rav says it's a person. Rav Shila says it's a rooster. Now listen to this story. Because we're going to find, uh, we'll, we'll call it humorous once once we remember the names. Okay, Rav and Rav Shila are now arguing. But listen to this Misa. This is great. Rav Iklal Asred Rav Shila. Rav was once visiting Rav Shila's city. Okay. Rav Shila. Now here's how it worked. When a Rebbe would give a shear, this goes on in yeshivas. Okay, my father, Zechariah Levracha, was Zaycha. He, he had the merit to be one of the guys who, who would, um, I forget what they're called. I've been, I've been out for too long. After the, after the Rebbe gives a shear, there's a point that, what? Chazara. Yeah, it's Chazara, but like the Machz, there, there are certain Talmidim that are appointed to tell the shear over again. Okay, so back then they had what's called a we'll call it a metorgamon, an interpreter. Where as the shear was being given, they would have one of the talmidim say it over in the common language. The rebbe would say it in lashon kodesh, and the talmud would say it over in everybody else's language of understanding. So Rav went to Rav Shila's city. Rav Shila was giving shear, and there was nobody set up to interpret it. There was no talmud there. Now, there was, again, no Facebook and Twitter. Nobody knew. There was a machoik as Rav and Rav Shila. Rav said it was a person. Rav Shila held his rooster. But nobody knew what Rav looked like. Rav is now visiting town. And Rav Shila, he walks into Rav Shila's shir. And he sees there's nobody interpreting. So, come Rav Alei. Rav raises his hand to volunteer to tell over the shir. Uh-oh. Listen to this. Become a farish, maya gavra, karagavra. And as HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, makes things work out, what's the shir on? The, the crier in the Beis HaMikdash. So Rav Shila said, so, um, 
Rav Shila is talking about a gever, and Rav says, oh, a, a person. I'm really Rav Shila. Rav Shila stops. He hears this fellow interpreting the shir, and he says, he translates gever as a person. I'm really Rav Shila. Shila says, Velema mar kro You're making a mistake. It's a rooster. Omar <laughs> lei. Rav, who was from the was greater than Rashila apparently. Rav says, Abuv Lechare Zemer, a flute that plays songs, Le Gardoi, for Khashiva people, Loimikablua Minei. People who don't appreciate music think that person's terrible. Meaning, you have to know music to appreciate music, but he was telling Rav Shila, uh, what he was telling Rav Shila was that um, when I said that it's a person, this has been widely accepted by people far greater than you. Even though you don't like it, you have no right to your opinion. That's what Rav is telling Rav Shila. Because when I stood in front of Rav Shila, Rav Shila was Rav's, what was Rav Shila's uncle, and it was known that Rav was Rav Shila's closest Talmud. Okay? So, Rav tells Rav Shila, he doesn't say who he is, he says, you should know, when I was in Rav Chia's yeshiva, your uncle, Rav Shila, you, your uncle, umefarishna, and I would explain, my kriyas hagever karagavra, he never argued on me, ooh, so now he's basically telling him in a roundabout way, that I'm Rav. Alright? So, va'at amadli ema kro tarnagayla, and you want to argue on me? Your own uncle! Who I said this in front of Zeta was a rooster. Omar Leir of Shiva says, Oh, Marni Hurav. Okay. So the, this, uh, this Talmud Chacham interpreting my shir is Rav. Nenachmar, Rav. Rav Shiva was not upset. But he says to Rav, It's pasnished. It's pasnished. It's beneath your dignity to be translating my shir. You're Adar. Don't volunteer to translate my shir. It's not, it's not respectful. I could get somebody else to translate this year. Rav, you shouldn't be doing this. Amar lay. So Rav said to Rav Shila, Amri Yinshi, people are going to say, Itagartle puts Amri that, that uh, you know, if you hire somebody, you should be willing to do anything on their behalf. Okay? So basically what he was, basically what he's saying is, Lafi Rashi, Rashi explains, Rav says, once I started the job, I'm going to finish it. I'm, I, I, the, don't worry, it's fine. I started, I'm going to finish. Don't feel like it's beneath my dignity. Some say, Rav said, that you're not helping any, any of my coven by telling me I don't need to interpret it because it's better for me to be an interpreter than to be a regular Talmud. Okay? Yeah, I want to go down in, in Kedusha. Okay, fine. That's the story that has to do with the Machlekes. Again, so Rav says that the Gavra is the human crier, and Rav Shila held there was a rooster. Okay. Says the Gemara, by the way, Tanikavasi the Rav, Tanikavasi the Rav Shila. We, each one has a brysa backing that them up. Now, Rav, as great as he was, was from the earlier Amairam. There are times where we even say that Rav's permitted to argue on a Tana. Okay? But he was from a very, very early, he's from the earlier um, Amairam. And Rav Shila obviously lived in the same generation. He was also from that, er, from those uh, early Amairam, but a little bit, uh, a little bit younger. 
And each one, though, has a brysa, has a tana backing them up. So Rav Shila is allowed to argue on Rav, and especially if each one has, has a brysa. Why? So here we go. Tanakavasi the Rav. Where do you see a brysa supporting Rav that a gever is a human crier? So we're going to quote our Mishnah in Shkalim. All right, here we go. Gvini Karaz Ma'awaymer. Gvini, who would call out, he was the crier, what would he say? Get up, start doing that by the let's go. Get up to start singing songs. Get to your posts, right? As we, if you recall from Shkolim, that there were always Yisraelim in the Beis HaMikdash. This way, the Kavanas that were being offered had the uh, Klal Yisrael around because the Kahanim are our Shluchim, they're our messengers, and whenever a messenger is doing the Avaidah, you should have people who the Avaidah is being done on behalf of should be there as well. So there was always Yisraelim around. So he would say, let's go. Kahanim, Levim, Yisraelim, everybody into position. Okay? His voice could be heard for three parsa. Okay? About three miles. Maisa, v'agripa samelech, v'shoya baba derev v'shoma kele v'shaloish parsois, v'kshabala beisai, shigar loi matonis. Actually, we're talking uh, clo- uh, uh, closer to ten miles as of now, because each parsa was, uh, was close to three miles. And it was three parsois. So uh, we're talking close to 10 miles. And uh, when he heard the, the sound of his voice being able to travel so far, he gave him uh, tremendous gifts. Even though Gvini, his voice reached so far, but the voice of the Kaingadol on Yom Kippur was even greater than Gvini. The Omar Mar, the Tana, the, the Brisa taught us. When the when the Kayan would say, during his Avaida, his voice could be heard in Yerichai. Okay? I lost the place, I'm sorry. Yeah. If his voice could be heard in Yerichai, Eser Parsi, and each Parsi is a little less than three miles. So you're talking close to 30 miles. It was Eser Parsi, and I'll tell you something else. When the Kaingadol had his voice, guess what? He was fasting. He was fasting. And, uh, and Gvini, he, this is a standard day. So you can say all you want about Gvini's voice, but the Kaingadol on Yom Kippur... HaKadosh Baruch would carry his voice to Yericha, Yivachi, Yimam, Abbas, and Laila. Now we're going to end off the daf with some fascinating, a fascinating concept. And that is, sound is heard at night much more effectively than it is by day. Listen to this. This is fascinating. The Omar of Levi. Because of Levi says, Why is a person's voice weaker by day than by night? Because of Galgal Chama literally means the wheel of the sun. Apparently, says the Gemara, says It cuts through the Rakia like a carpenter cutting cedar wood. And and the Chirga of the day, La Shmei is called La. Now, the best I can understand this, and I don't really understand this, is um, 
that during the daytime there are more particles flying around in the air than due to the sun's rays than you have at night. Okay, um, uh, if anybody could help uh, over here, that'll be uh, appreciated. Okay, that everybody uh, who living is like law, is like this, uh, this nothingness, which apparently uh, this nothingness is this, th- this word law, which is an existence called nothing, impedes any sound when the sun's up. But once the sun's down, there's no nothing to block out the sound, and the sound travels much further. All right. The bin Yavin, and it ain't me. All right. Says the Gemara Viter. Tanu Rabbonon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. If not for these, this Gilgul Chama, okay, um, which, which uh, comes from this law. Nishma kal hamona shal raimi v'omali kal hamona shal raimi nishma kal gagal chama. Apparently, these two things cancel each other out: the sun and the Roman kayach. Uh, this has to do a lot with gallus, I believe. Um, this has to do a lot, uh, a lot with gallus. Tanu rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and uh, that's why the rabbis shalish kailos halchem isay b'elam atzay for the three sounds that go from one end of the world to the other ve'iluhein. Kail Galgal Chama, the sound of the Galgal Chama, Bakail Amaina Sharaimi, Bakal Nishama Bishasha Yitzim and Aguf, the sound of the soul when it leaves the body of Yeshaim. Some say Afleda, even the sound of birth, Vyeshaimrim, and some others say Afradia, even the Radia. What's Radia? Some Malach that's in charge of rain, Uboy Rabban and Rachme and Ashama Bishosh Yitzim and Aguf, and the Chachamim Davin that when Nishama uh, leaves the body. It uh, shouldn't make this noise, ubatlua, and they got rid of it. So that is the brisa. Why are we bring in all this down to show there's a brisa supporting Rav that there was a crier. The gever was a human crier. Okay, now just quickly to wrap up the sugya, to wrap up this idea. Even though we're already on tomorrow's daf, just read a couple more lines. What's the brisa supporting Rav Shila that a crier is a rooster? So there's a very short brisa. Person gets out on the road before the calling out of the gever. It's his own responsibility. If something goes wrong, it's your own responsibility. All right? Because there's danger that lurks on the road. says, You have to wait till the gever repeats his call. The Yeshar Mizam say, Adshe Yeshalish. It's got to be three times. If Eza, Tarnagoyal, Amru says the Brisa, the gever is a. What, what tarnigal? One second, where does the tarnigal come from? Must be a gever's a tarnigal. What type of rooster? Betarnigal, benini, an average rooster. Okay, so you see, another Bryce is supporting Rav Shila, that a, uh, that a tarnigal as well, a rooster, um, uh, the, the word gever could be referring to a rooster and not necessarily a human. Mamela, we're sticking with the Machlekes of Rav and Rav Shila, and that ends our sugya for today. Um, Bezem, tomorrow we will pick up at 9.30. Rav Aaron is chatting.